This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The highly contagious Omicron subvariant known as BA2 continues to spread across the U.S., causing surges in neighboring states. Here's what Chicago's top doctor Allison Arwitty said last week about the likelihood of a BA2 outbreak here. I think we'll see some increase here from BA2, no doubt about it. But when you start at a very low level, you have a lot more space, honestly, from an epidemiologic perspective, um, to not see the the really dramatic um, increases that, that have been seen there. So today we are checking in with Dr. Emily Landon, infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago, to hear what we can do to stay safe. Hi, Dr. Landon. Welcome back. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Great to have you on again. I want to talk about the symptoms, first of all, of BA2. How are they different, doctor, from Omicron and and Delta? Yeah, every time we have a new variant, we talk about how the symptoms might be different from a previous variant. I think for most people, it's important to remember that the symptoms of COVID in general can be really variable. And while this one may have a little bit more congestion associated with it or even more GI side effects, The reality is that any sort of illness that you're having right now, even what you think might be just seasonal allergies, could still be COVID. And so you got to get tested. So if someone thinks that they have COVID today, how long should they quarantine? Well... Well, it's once you're infected, we call it isolation, just a nitpicky epidemiological term thing there. But um, we, sorry, we we, uh, still recommend that individuals isolate for at least five days from the onset of their symptoms. I would say if you work in a place with any sort of, or if you're, if you're planning on going out in that, you know, sort of six to 10 day period, you need to wear a mask the entire time you're around any other people. That's the rule from the CDC. Um, I recommend that before you go out, if you can, you take a test um, in on days six through 10, you can take an antigen test and, and probably not leave isolation until that test is negative. Okay. So as of today, do you think it looks like we'll have a surge of BA2 cases here? Yeah, I think it sort of depends on what you call what what the word surge means in that sentence. So we're probably going to see an increase. I agree with Dr. Arwadi. We're going to probably see an increase in cases due to BA2. We knew that that was going to happen. In fact, BA2 has been here in Chicago since back at the end of February, beginning of March. And we've been watching it. It's been actually pretty slow to take off here and in many parts of the United States. And so, you know, our prevailing thought is that we're not going to see those major increases like you can see in some European countries. Instead, what we're going to see is probably a little bump here. I think there's a chance that we might see some surginess, like where there's sort of bigger peaks or rapidly progressing rates of infection in some of the southern states where Mm -hmm. we often see that happen in the summer. But I think that's unlikely to happen here in Chicago. Are you surprised that it was slow to take off here? I was. Because the first we knew of BA2 was in the Netherlands, where it sort of rapidly took over from BA1 and just sort of created an even higher second peak Mm -hmm. as they were coming off of BA1. And I thought, oh, well, that's what it's going to do here and um, insisted that we watch it. And, and, you know, Dr. Arwadi, myself, all of us are sort of watching, have been watching it as we made decisions and talked to people about removing mask mandates and that sort of thing. And because it just wasn't having the same effect here, we have to acknowledge that there must be something different about the way that it's been introduced or about us as a culture, as individuals or our immunity that's making it behave differently here. And, um, we can't be 100% certain, but we sure can say that it's had six weeks to do its worst and it hasn't done it yet. Yeah. Well, still, we need to keep safe. So what would you say is the best way for us to do that? 
yeah, COVID is still out there and BA2 is still out there. BA2 still poses a significant risk risk to individuals who are unvaccinated, those who are older with multiple medical problems and those who are immunocompromised. And so number one, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get your booster if you haven't had a booster yet. And then um, I'm sure you'll ask me in a second about an additional dose for people over the age of 50. So I'm going to set that aside for a second, but say, if you are at high risk of a bad outcome of COVID, you need to keep wearing your masks when you're in public places. You gotta choose who you're gonna be up close and unmasked with. And so spend time outside with people and wear a mask in the grocery store. I'm still seeing lots of people wearing masks in public places and I think that's great because that's exactly what we need. There certainly are people out there who need to be still wearing a high quality, good mask in public in order to provide them the best protection and make sure that if they do get exposed, it's a really low, a much, much lower dose. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that is infectious disease specialist Dr. Emily Landon. She is right now bringing us up to speed on the Omicron subvariant BA2. I'm sure you've heard of it. And also, we're going to talk about another booster shot for people 50 and up. Um, Dr. Landon, this comes at a time when the city and the state, they're, they're both cutting back on COVID-19 testing and on vaccinations. So with BA2 spreading right now, do you think that's a good idea? No, I think it's a terrible idea. I think um, we're nowhere near the end of this pandemic. And I think it's really easy to take your eye off the ball with something like this because everybody really wants to go back to normal. And part of that is getting back to spending money and, you know, funding things that we usually fund instead of funding COVID. But I think that's a pretty bad idea. I think that right now is when we've made a lot of gains. We're, our cases are really low. Part of the reason that, that BA2 probably isn't causing so much destruction here is because of the timing. And so we need to keep up our uh, sort of aggressive testing, aggressive vaccinating strategies, and, you know, a lot of the other things that we're doing to improve ventilation and stuff like that. I would hate to see the funding for that go away as well. Are you concerned with where we're at right now? It's uh, 68 percent of Illinois residents who are fully vaccinated. So 32% aren't. Yeah, that's not enough. There is still this misinformation, disinformation campaign about the vaccine, which is in all honesty, as ridiculous as the misinformation campaign saying that the Ukrainians are all Nazis. I mean, it is that absurd what is going around about the vaccine. So individuals who have fallen prey to that, now's your time to reassess and rethink and, um, and you know, get that vaccine. It's a really important vaccine that can really change your life, give you a lot of peace of mind, protect you, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, everyone. Last time you were on the show, uh, Dr. Landon, we, we talked about how immunocompromised folks are frustrated and, and frightened about sort of relaxing COVID safety precautions. Right now, we're about a month in. So how is it going for folks who are immunocompromised? Yeah, I think that it is. I mean, I'm, I'm one of these people who are immunocompromised. I think that as the weather improves, it gets easier to do stuff outside. I think it really makes me feel good to know that there's still a big chunk of people wearing masks indoors. I know it's a really tough transition and it's not fair. I mean, I, I want to be 100% honest, it's completely not fair to immunocompromised people to say, you know, sorry, you just can't do stuff anymore that you used to be able to do because other people don't feel like wearing masks. But that is the case. And that's where we are as a community. And I think as immunocompromised individuals, we need to work hard to get 
more um, visibility and more understanding for the situation that we're in and to get more accommodations. I think there's more that businesses and organizations and government can do to help address the needs of individuals who are immunocompromised and make their way through the world a little easier. But it's never going to be as easy as it is for someone who's not in that situation. And that's something that's really tough for people like me to sort of come to terms with. But I think it's really important for people who are not immunocompromised to understand that there are lots and lots of people out there who are finding it a lot harder to deal with this than you are. And a little empathy goes a long way. Yeah. I want to circle back to something you mentioned earlier, and that's that 50 and older crowd. The FDA uh, plans on giving the green light to another COVID booster shot for that group. Give us the details there. What can you tell us about that? Well, it's very clear that, you know, let's go back one step. Vaccines produce two things in us. One, they produce these antibodies, which are sort of like the, the first step in immunity. They're the ones that block the virus from even getting into our cells and setting up an infection. They also induce this sort of long-term T-cell mediated immunity, cell mediated immunity that allows us to avoid getting really sick, even if we do get an infection with COVID. And the a vaccine, you know, two doses and, and even a booster is really good at, for a long time at producing this sort of long-term immunity that keeps us from getting too sick unless you're extremely old or very immunocompromised. And so there's really not many more doses that are going to be needed, at least right now, to protect people from hospitalization necessarily. However, the where the antibodies kind of wear off. And we do know that the booster can produce really high antibodies for about four to six months afterwards. And so if there's a surge in that short period of time, that sort of within the first few months after you've gotten your booster, you're a lot better protected if you've been boosted recently than someone who got boosted a lot longer ago. And so I think that we're all starting to consider when is the right timing to be giving these higher risk individuals. So people over the age of 50, people with multiple medical problems, immunocompromised individuals, when is the best time to give them boosters in order to protect them from these surges. And I think the acknowledgement that we don't really understand whether or not there's going to be a surge. We, we think probably in Chicago and in the north, northern part of the country, there probably isn't going to be a BA2 surge. Mm-hmm. But there's still very a lot of concern about a surge in the south. And so giving this opportunity for people to get an additional vaccine will allow doctors to make recommendations to their patients about what's the right thing to do for their local situation. How do we know if the additional dose is going to make a difference? So it will make a difference in terms of giving you more antibodies. We know that. And so you'll be more protected from even getting a mild infection if you get boosted. But um, how often you need a lot of people, myself included, have a lot of side effects after the vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of inconvenient to get boosted so often. Um, And some people aren't going to want it or take time out of their schedule to go and get it. So it can be difficult to get people boosted every six months or so. Some people probably need that, elderly people, people with multiple medical problems, people like myself, but um, probably the vast majority of the public, I think that the best recommendation based on the information I have right now is to say, if there's an imminent surge, you want to get your booster ASAP. And we don't really expect a major surge here in Chicago until next year at the beginning, you know, in the fall. And probably in the fall, there'll be a pretty strong recommendation to get boosted then. What do you say to critics of the booster dose um, who say that, you know, our, our primary focus really should just be on getting people a first dose of the COVID shot? 
Yeah, I think it's sort of unnecessary to say that we can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I think it's absolutely possible for people to get boosted multiple times if they're really high risk and also to get people um, uh, vaccinated for the first time. It's a little bit ridiculous to assume that just because we're giving people boost doses doesn't mean we can't give first doses. That's not an option. Now, the question about global vaccination is a separate question. And that, I think, is a little bit less about supply and more about economics, which I think, you know, I think that it's a really laudable and really important goal for us to get people vaccinated. That's where the, you know, the variants are coming from. And so we need to get every country, every individual that wants a vaccine needs to get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. While this is all happening, doctor, I'm still trying to get used to all the new terms, right, that we're that are coming up. Um, now I'm starting to see medium COVID that's being used yeah. for folks who you know, have lingering symptoms, but it's not quite long COVID. What's your advice for folks in that boat? In, in short, it's really important for people to understand that there are a lot of presentations of COVID. It's not just a cold and then you're good to go. And a lot of people have these sort of lingering symptoms. And I don't think we've really settled on what's long-term versus what's medium versus what's short-term. Certainly, there are the majority of people that have COVID have, that have symptoms will have symptoms longer than what is typically expected for a cold. Um, vaccinated people do better than unvaccinated people. If you're in that category where you have lingering symptoms, it sort of depends on what the severity of your symptoms are. You may need to take it easier for longer after you have COVID than what you first expected. And you can talk to your doctor if it's not continuing to get better. But I think um, if you're having symptoms for two to four weeks of fatigue and not feeling great, you know, that's not unusual. Things like, remember, a lot of us had mono when we were teenagers, and that could go on for a good month or so. So this isn't unprecedented. Yeah. But if you're having shortness of breath, racing heartbeat, things like that, um, then you probably want to talk to your doctor. What do you think state and federal leaders should be doing better to protect us from the virus? Well, I think we need to sort of come together and under, first of all, we need to fund all the things that we need to do to prevent and take care of people that have COVID. And then the second thing, especially if we're not going to have so many protections in place that allow people to live, you know, and I'm, I'm not a fan of the zero COVID plan. I don't think it's necessarily going to be effective, but I think since we're, you know, sort of allowing that to happen in the, in the name of commerce, we need to do what we can to help provide care for the individuals that do have it. Um, and identify those that do as well. So I think that's important. I think the other thing that elected officials can do is continue to message that COVID isn't over and that while we want to get back to more normal, that there's always going to be this piece in our lives and that we can handle that, that that's okay, that this is not any different than having, you know, difficult financial times or difficult times with the weather. You know, these things may seem like they last less less long, but there are certainly other things that are natural phenomenon that that affect our lives. And we just need to we need to help people cope with that instead of just ignoring it. That's infectious disease specialist, Dr. Emily Landon of the University of Chicago. Dr. Landon, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast WBEZ's Reset wherever you listen.